0: Welcome to The Willing Podcast. It's a podcast that chronicles the beginnings of a church plant, Um, and another thing that we like to do, not only telling our story of uh, of our preparation and journey to uh, Burlington, Vermont, but we also like to interview other church planners as well, so that you can uh, get advice and hear some uh, some wonderful things from people who are 10 times smarter than we are and who have a little bit more experience than we do with this whole thing. Uh, and so, Lacey, you actually know the guy that we're talking to right yeah. now. Do you want to uh, do the introductions?
1: Yes, yes. This is my friend um, Aaron Champ, um, but I'll let him give us um, a little bit more information. Um, we met each other. Uh, We've probably known each other for a really long time since we were little kids being in small group together. Um, But Then we went to high school together and um, we've kept in touch. Just um, a lot of our friends are friends of each other, and I've just um, seen his career and um, I was just really um, excited to talk to you. Um, So just give us an introduction just where you're from, um, your credentials and your position. and
2: yeah Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, it's a uh, it's great to be on here with you uh, Like I was telling you guys before we got started. I love church planners and church planning. So uh, I was immediately down for this idea um, Yeah, so I'm Aaron and uh, We planted a church in Lafayette, Louisiana called Redeemer City Church as far as my listing of credentials and uh, Whatever else it's a short list. <laughs> And um, it was even shorter when we got started. I was uh, 22 when we got started.
0: Oh, wow!
2: I was yeah. still in college, uh, finishing my bachelor's degree. Uh, up until that point, my only experience was um, through leading small groups, uh, doing teaching in that way. Uh, and you know, disciple making along with that. Uh, I had been an intern, a pastoral intern at a church so I was on staff with them. Uh, They were a small church, a church plant. And um, so basically, my wife and I got married. And just a couple months after getting married, I mean, literally about three months, uh, we got the opportunity to plant a church. And so, it started the conversation. Uh, And so, from that point until the time that we officially launched the church was a little bit over a year, about a year and a half. Uh, But yeah, we were newlyweds, I was super young and uh, still in college. Uh, over the course of that time, uh, since then I've gotten my bachelor's and uh, a master of arts in Christian apologetics, and I'm finishing up the master of divinity. Um, so those are about as long as my credentials get, other than just the experience. I've I've learned uh, through trial by fire a lot <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> by just being thrown into it and um, learning as we go, but. Um, you know, not just learning through experience, but also through great mentorship. That's been Mm. uh, a huge key part for learning and so on. But, uh, yeah, so we got started back in 2014. Um, like I said, it's been a growing learning journey since then. Uh, just give you a little bit more about myself. Uh, in addition to pastoring this church, I, uh, I have a family. So as I mentioned before, I'm married. We have two kids. We have a three-year-old girl and a 10-month-old boy. Congratulations. Thank (laughs) you. Yeah, they're both wonderful. Um, I also teach on the side. So uh, I'm an adjunct professor at Lovell College, which is the uh, undergraduate school of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And so Mm -hmm. I teach apologetics for them, uh, intro to apologetics, which is a blast. I love doing it. Uh, I also uh, do some writing and speaking on the side, um, and uh, we could get more into that if y'all wanted. But uh, yeah, wear several different hats, uh, but have a blast doing it. And in uh, one way or another, it's all connected to the calling to be a church planner, and so it's neat to see how all those different things interact. But uh, yeah, so from there, we can take it wherever you guys want to go. Yeah,
0: well, that's, that's awesome. So that makes, actually makes me want to get you on our other podcast, which is called <laughs> The Nerdy Apologist uh and uh we just kind of talk about well nerd stuff and then also apologetics uh He's, too
1: i will testify he is a nerd so yeah that would yeah,
0: work. yeah you <laughs> find that out pretty quickly listen to that podcast. <laughs> well, i met
1: Aaron as well oh, yeah. oh Aaron as well man. well yeah.
0: we need to make that happen man absolutely but uh yeah but we interview apologists and things like that too so man we need to have you on that one as well but let's focus on church planning right now uh but that's that's amazing before we get into i guess maybe some more of the uh uh, I guess the nitty-gritty of of strategy and all of that. Um, I did want to actually ask you about uh, I guess family and church planting. how is that balance? So how do you strike mm-hmm. a balance between um, especially when you first started yeah. uh, of like everything that goes into beginning a a, a fresh new uh, work and then also um, balancing that family life as
2: well. Mm-hmm. So for us, when we were in the initial phase of getting started, and um, you know, it, it can be so consuming in those early stages because you're, before you get launched, you're just working almost all in your head and all in your dreams and trying mm-hmm. to turn those dreams into strategies to see them become a reality. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to implementing all those things, it can be so consuming. And so for us in those early days, it was just me and my wife uh, because we didn't have our daughter until. The church was um, two, a little bit over two years old Um, so for those very early days it was just the two of us and um, you know looking back at not just in those initial early stages but really for the first uh, four to five years I would say of our church planning journey I was really really bad at Figuring out how to balance the time between uh, My dedication and work for the church, but then also family life uh, just personal time for rest and uh, To just unplug so yeah. to say Yeah, uh, I was really really bad at it um, And it's something that I'm still working on honestly, you know, it's uh, I'm one who's a little bit more prone to to overwork and being willing to sacrifice uh, rest time and all those things to get things done and so uh, it's something I'm still working on but by the grace of God I've grown a lot in the past few years and so when I look back at how bad I was I just I thank God that I married just an amazing woman <laughs> who is so go with the flow mm. uh, just easygoing supportive so for us because of all those things and because my wife is incredibly long-suffering um she was able to keep up and it never caused a major meltdown or division between us and our marriage, um, bitterness, anything like that. It was tough on both of us. And I think we are both aware of uh, the pressure, the amount of responsibility, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, she was so great and supportive that it never caused a huge issue in our marriage. But internally for me, it was, Uh, leading me towards burnout and pretty quickly Uh, Mm. After about three years or so I realized that I was getting very close to burnout because I was experiencing um, I I, I was realizing that I had a lot of bitterness inside of me Bitterness aimed in several different directions for different reasons Uh, I was exhausted and so it was the first time that I stopped and I said Okay, I need to take a break it was also around that same time, I had a new mentor come into my life that started to talk to me just about my personal health, my spiritual health. I was in a bad spot and uh, needed his help. One of the first things that he pointed out to me was that uh, you need to take a day off because I was working just nonstop until I would crash mm-hmm. and be sick for a day. And, uh, and then as soon as I got better, I could go right back into that same pace. And, um, so yeah. And, and so since then it's been an ongoing steady growth where I, so about a, two years ago, I guess I started taking a day off and wow it was amazing. And I really did immediately start feeling the benefits and, uh, feeling the benefits of not just taking a day off, but a Sabbath day where I was, um, investing extra time into uh, prayer, spending time in solitude along with God. And it was incredible. Yeah. And then last year, uh, I uh, I said, you know what? I need to start taking two days off, <laughs> like normal people do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember whenever I told my wife that, she was so happy. And yeah. I saw that as very confirming and uh, and also as convicting, like, oh, I should have done this sooner. I should have yeah. saw it. Uh, but anyway, all that to say, it's been uh, slow growth and a lot of learning and how to balance out the intensive nature and what can be kind of the all-consuming nature of trying to plant a church Mm -hmm. and also family and uh, family life and so on. I think it's good to remember what one of my really good friends. He's a guy named Alan Briggs and he says that if you pursue um, if you pursue impact over health, you'll get neither. But if you pursue health, then you'll get uh, health and impact.
0: Wow. And so the
2: same thing is true for your personal life because uh, the healthier that you are as a leader it's going to benefit the people that you're leading and discipling the most uh, yeah. I know that you guys can probably see that from your own leadership experience so far but it's especially gonna be true in your church planning journey the healthier you are the better it's going to be for everybody else and so you cannot compromise on those rhythms that you um, and then the same thing is true for just your church's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pursue impact at the sake of your church's health, whether it's your doctrinal health, your interrelationships, leadership health, organizational health, all those different things, uh, then it will severely compromise whatever impact you do make. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's just one of the best little uh, mottos that you can remember and live by. And it's one that I'm constantly trying to apply.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, that makes me think of, so I hear you talk a lot about um, mentors that you have. And I know for our, um, the structure of just um, our journey, we're going to have a team. We're going to have like three couples. Um, And of course, Michael will, I mean, really take a a leadership role in that team. Um, But I know we've been even going through what we like to joke, we call it premarital counseling, but our whole group, um, is like going to, um, pre-missional counseling, I guess. And mm-hmm. we're, uh, having conversations about different personality types and, um, how to avoid burnout, culture shock, that kind of thing. Um, but it made me think who was, I mean, what have you seen from, um, the people in your journey, um, Of church planning, um, how has how has there is there a team that kind of helped you with this, or if it was more of a mentorship, um, what was something that was really effective? Um, I mean, for one, that one example of telling you to kind of slow down. But what are some things, just um, as the person who's not in leadership role, something that we can do that's been that you've seen is really effective um, from a team or from mentors. Um, who were supportive to you
2: yeah so okay so I'll start here then we can move into more details if you want so typically what I say uh, to other people is that to stay healthy I think that you need uh, uh, key relationships from at least three areas the first one is from someone who can act like a mentor to you Mm -hmm. Um, they are older than you or ahead of you or um, You know, ideally someone who is very mature in the faith and uh, can speak into your soul, who you feel comfortable and to be vulnerable with. So mentorship Mm -hmm. is absolutely huge. Um, I mentioned it several times already that without the mentors that I've had uh, up until this point, I don't even know if we would have made it this far. And especially I I know that I probably not. I, I would have quit already or, you know whatever else Uh, and so a a mentor you need somebody who is uh, who can disciple you and in that way the Mm -hmm. second key relationship is someone who is a peer but not a part of your church so basically when you guys get to Vermont you mentioned before that there is a church planning network already established up there investing into relationships with other church planters Mm -hmm. yeah people who are alongside of you in the journey you'll all be somewhat ahead over behind one another in different ways uh, and, and so that would be helpful to bounce ideas off of one another but mostly just so you can sit down with someone else who gets it
0: mm-hmm. yeah right,
2: right best thing yeah. is right sit down with other church planners either in Lafayette or, or, or in other parts of the country and we just talk about like we all have the same problems <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're in different parts of the country uh, I got to I got to sit down with a group of church planners from like uh, you know I'm in Louisiana and guys in Colorado Montana San Diego from all over the place uh, last year and, and as we all talked we all have the same problems <laughs> we're all facing the same things and none of us really had a solution for each other but it was just so there, there was something uh, that just gave you a sense of peace give you a sense of oh I'm not totally alone in this or we're not you know the oddballs that are dealing with this that you know no one else is it was so great and so that's the second area so your mentorship your peer relationships where you can just you can vent you can laugh Mm. um, unwind with one another and then the uh, really key friendships within your church Uh, and so for right now, you guys, that would, that would be your team. Like you're talking about the the three couples. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome that you're doing that pre missional counseling. Like you (laughs) talked about, that's so great. But, um, and I don't know what that pre missional counseling looks like for you guys, but I know that we tend to be very information heavy and our trainings and in our preparations going through books or video series or teachings and whatever else. And all those are great. But let me also recommend that you just spend time hanging out, yeah, yeah. Just hanging yeah. out, eating meals together, uh, having play dates with all the kids, going on double or triple date nights, you know, uh, doing all those things, and just be, or mm-hmm. playing sports together. Um, all of the best relationships that I've had in our church are with people who um, we you know we we've learned a lot together, um, but we just spend a lot of time just hanging out getting to know one another just just being friends Mm -hmm. and those relationships are are so key as well um the people you can lean on on, that you can trust that you know they have your back um those are great and i've been fortunate to have those uh all along our church planning journey earlier whenever i talked about just kind of a, a brief introduction you know i didn't talk about our team but we did have a team where we got started with some amazing people uh the original team that we got started with, I think almost everyone except for me, my wife, and one other guy, uh, have moved on. Whether because you know they, they they've wow. moved on to uh, another city and serving in other areas now, um, but every step of the way, we've been blessed to just have amazing people, amazing friends around us. You know, just uh, especially right now, I, I just feel like I've got the best group of guys, uh, guys and ladies around me who are just wonderful friends that I I, I thank God for every single day. Mm, so yeah. Uh, yeah, those three relationships, the mentors, the peers, and then the people in your church are so, so key to uh, health and really being a great leader. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. absolutely. I think it's funny that you mentioned just the, that, the whole just hanging out aspect because uh, I think the majority of the— I guess interactions that we've had as a team lately has a lot of it has been like that preparation for going and man, it can just feel heavy sometimes. Yes. And just like yeah. you're always in this like preparation mode, like all the conversations you have are about ministry, which is wonderful. And and it's amazing that we get to uh, do ministry with our best friends. You know, that's a wonderful thing. But like you said, there there starts to get this like air of heaviness always, and then uh, like just the other day, we were able to all come together and just hang out, play board games, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I think it, at least for me anyway, it did wonders just being able mm-hmm. to just hang out. And it's so it's it's amazing that you said said that because I think we experienced that firsthand even in this like short time that we've been just in preparation mode. Uh, so yeah, that's amazing. Um, kind of moving on uh, to. I guess the location. Uh, so, what made you decide that um, that where you are is is where you want to plant? So you're in in Lafayette, Lafayette, Lafayette.
1: We we oddly we're yeah. Cajun. Yeah. We don't say it the French way. We say it the American way. Yeah. So we well, say Lafayette.
0: But well, I, I guess... have Hamilton in my head, so I'm just like Lafayette. <laughs> like that's what I always think of. But... but
1: then when we go into Cajun mode and we yeah. start speaking French, then we say Lafayette. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> Yeah, Lafayette. Uh,
0: so you're there. So what? how did God call you to that specific place? And what are the demographics like? And, and maybe what are some of the strategies that you use to, to reach the people around you? Mm-hmm.
2: So I was born in Texas, but grew up in the Lafayette area. I didn't really live in Lafayette until I was an adult moved out of my parents house and uh, Got moved into an apartment with a couple of other guys started living and working in the city and uh, Honestly being very surprised at the amount of lostness at the amount Mm -hmm. of uh, Unchurched or de-churched people there were in Lafayette, which is you know being uh, in a state that's in the deep south you assume is a normal part of the Bible Belt deep south Mm -hmm. Kind of Christian culture. Right. Until you get here and you realize that, like, actually, it, it's not at all. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of below the Bible Belt, really. Uh, all of South Louisiana is a very, very different culture than the rest of the Deep South. Um, and so I started to see that whenever I, I was living and working here. And uh, especially, I started seeing how there was a real significant Lack of churches that were actually in the city, doing ministry in the city, trying to reach people who uh, who do not believe. A lot of our churches are, which is probably true of many areas, were mostly out on on the outskirts of the city or in the suburbs, and they, at least to me, not to church bash, but they seemed as though they were primarily doing programs and sermon series and communicating and whatnot, doing everything in a way that was targeting and appealing to people who were already believers mm. or at least who already had a Christian worldview. Yeah. But then I'm working with all these people who, uh, you know, so I was working at this gym, which is probably the largest gym in Louisiana, and uh, and no one that I worked with was, was a Christian. I wow. worked with all the Christians. And, and so all these people that I'm working with I, uh, I, I realized that what nearly all of our churches were doing does not communicate to them is not appealing or interesting to them at all and so that's whenever I started to see a vision and, and feel a burden on my heart for uh, came Redeemer City Church uh, I got married to a Cajun girl and so uh, and so Cajun girls Lacey would be the exception I guess but Cajun girls usually don't leave home yeah so I, and so I knew, like, all right, you know, I love this area. I love our culture. It's, it's rich and beautiful. And so uh, if I'm going to marry a Cajun girl, i got to be prepared to, to just stay here. And so that, that was definitely a part of it, is that we had sort of decided that we were going to commit to this area. And that was even really before the, the church plant came together. Um, I guess where all of that did come together would be whenever so I was in college and we Le, level college has an extension center in Lafayette. And so I was taking a class through the extension center. And one day the teacher uh, gets there and he says, Hey, let's get in my truck. It was an evangelism class. So we get in his truck, it was just a few of us. And we go driving around the city and he goes driving through all these neighborhoods, um, similar to the ones I mentioned before that aren't that are. Uh, not connected to any churches and he says we're gonna drive around and we're gonna pretend that we're driving through these neighborhoods because we're gonna plan a church in this area and mm-hmm. we're just gonna practice observing and mm-hmm. making making notes and, and thinking how would we reach these people so I loved I was super excited because I was like oh wow this is the kind of thing that I that I normally do I, I drive around and I think about what it'd be like to plan a church here so we did that and we go back to class and and uh. And he at one point says, all right, guys, I'm taking off my teacher hat and putting on my church planner hat because he had planned a church before he were in addition to teaching. He worked for our state convention down here. He says, we need a church planner, <laughs> basically. And, and so he kind of goes on uh, making a pitch for like, one of you guys need to think about planning a church. And I'm the only one who bit at the offer. I emailed him later and I said, hey, I love that conversation. Could we talk about it more? And so that's how things got started. We had a lot of interviews. Uh, I went through a lot of assessments for, uh, for the Louisiana Baptist Convention, North American Mission Board. Mm. A lot of interviews with the church. that I was still on staff with the uh, church that I was at. Uh, they were completely supportive. So we had a lot of interviews with them and uh, went into the planning and preparation phase. And so those are some of the things that went into the decision to plant here in Lafayette um yeah, anything I didn't hit
0: uh yeah well you you definitely hit that um so what because uh, I'm not from there I've never even been to Louisiana yet mm-hmm. um, but uh what what is the demographics uh, or I guess what are the demographics like uh, where you are and then I guess what are some of the ways that you are um, trying to be mindful in
2: uh, in doing so that you can reach that particular population mm-hmm so, like I said, South Louisiana is not the Deep South. It's a very, very different area. Uh, we, we like to joke around it. Uh, so, kind of South Louisiana goes up, up to most people consider it this mm-hmm. way. It's not, it's not an official thing, but most people consider like uh, Alexandria. It's a small town kind of right in the middle of the state. We consider that like up to where South Louisiana goes and we joke around that uh, everything north of Alexandria is just South Arkansas. and so uh, because it it is a very obvious difference if you spend time here and then go even go up to North Louisiana or over to Mississippi over to Texas very different place Um, and so uh, you know I've seen that there's these sociological maps that you can look up where they kind of plot different regions of the country based off their culture um, and, and they base it upon things like religious views, um, political views, and, and, and so on. And they, they create these color maps. And so you'll have the deep south, which they typically make red. And mm-hmm. then there's a sliver from about um, a little bit out, a little bit west of Lafayette, all the way down to New Orleans that they'll make a similar color to kind of the northeast. Mm. Uh, because in terms of, of our culture and religious views and everything else is a lot more similar to uh, this kind of culture that you would find in the Northeast U.S. Um, so religious... Our ancestors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Our ancestors up in... Um, uh, uh, what what, what, what area of Canada, uh, Canada does it come from? Nova Scotia, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Nova Scotia and up there. Um, yeah, it is very, very heavy Catholic. Um, if you ask the average person walking around they will say that they're Catholic whether they believe in God or not mm, uh, right. because it's seen as just a part of the culture it's not seen so much as an actual worldview or religious belief that you hold but just mm. lo- very similar to like saying I'm a Cajun
0: mm, well yeah.
2: I'm from here so I'm Catholic um, you know I, I know I know that we don't have many People who do this at our church. I don't think we have anybody who does this at our church, but I know people who go to other churches in our area, uh, which is, is, you know, a Protestant church or a Baptist church. But because they came out of a Catholic background, they still called the worship service Mass. And they sometimes refer to their pastor as their priest, you know, (laughs) because it's such a deep part of the culture. Yeah. Um, And and once again, you know, I've talked to people who do not believe in God, but they Mm -hmm. still call themselves Catholic. Yeah. So it's Catholic, but it's very nominally Catholic. I have a friend who's a Presbyterian church planner in Lafayette and he said, you know, it's not even nominally Catholic. He said, it's familiar, familiar Catholic. Like yeah. he said, I know more about what they're supposed to believe than they do. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so, uh, very heavy in nominal Catholicism, but, uh, also very, very heavy in, um, no religion. Uh, according to our you know demographic studies around here um, uh, after Catholicism I think that uh, claiming no religion is like the second largest group Um, and then after that will come the various Protestant groupings or whatnot Um, I know that I I, or at least I think that in Lafayette if I remember right it's been a while since I've looked at the numbers but uh, the evangelical population around here is less than 2% Wow the the ratio of evangelical churches or the ratio of let me remember I think it's Southern Baptist because this was compiled by a Southern Baptist group the ratio of Southern Baptist churches to population in Lafayette is uh, um, is higher than areas of the world that the IMB is sending missionaries to wow, wow man. so mm-hmm. it's also high' it, it's, it's even higher than New um, they they have a lower church pot you know congregation of population ratio than we do mm-hmm. so yeah huge need around here um, you find tons of people who are very very uh, complacent towards religion because once again they grew up in a, a nominal Catholic family um, and so they hold to just kind of a basic moralistic worldview mm-hmm. where they really see themselves as having a need for the gospel because well they're just you know they went through confirmation they maybe still go to mass a couple times a year and they're a decently good person uh, or it might be even more removed than that where they're just a decent person and so mm-hmm. they don't really have a big interest in religion you, you see a lot of that and then second to that you see a lot of people who are what some call like dechurched so whether they grew up Catholic or they grew up something else. They have now left the church and they have left it, uh, hard <laughs> mm-hmm. where now they're, they're bitter or they are filled with many questions, objections, obstacles to them ever being interested again. Uh, you, so you see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So those, those are the main things that we're working against, you know, in yeah. Michigan in this area. Right. Yeah. Wow.
1: I noticed like, um, It's it's so interesting. I never thought I would draw any kind of a comparison between the Northeast and Vermont, what we see up there in South Louisiana. But I'm starting to get little taste of it. Of course, we are Mm. closer to Nova Scotia. I mean, there's a large French culture because we're really close to Montreal uh, in I say we when we're in Vermont. Um, But I'm thinking about specifically Cajun culture. Cajun culture is so. You know, laissez les bon temps rouler. it's let the good times roll. It's all about having a good time. It's all about being in the moment. And um, I, I always laugh because every time I go down, I ask my mom, it just it always feels like a party. Does it feel like a party all the time? And she says, yes, it's exhausting. <laughs> so what I mean, what is that? So I notice in Vermont, they say they're telling us that um, to put less emphasis on the main events and the huge parties and the huge events and stuff. And I don't know for sure, but I I gather from what you're talking to me about that you're kind of steering away from that direction, even though that is the culture, like really trying to hit, like to find where the gospel hits and going against culture and going against Catholic culture or or the fact that Catholicism is just a culture in some sense. Uh, What are some stories, like some, um, anecdotes of where you've seen the gospel really take root. Mm. Um, and it's been transformative, um, and not just this, Hey, let's have a good time. And, you know, and it's really, um, I don't know, give us some, a a story of how you've seen the gospel truly transform, um, outside of just an event
2: or a social Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so may, maybe I'll be able to think of a specific story or instance as we go, just off the top of my head, whenever I think about how we've really seen the gospel make an impact. I think that the biggest way that we've seen it make an impact, or at least one of the most immediate ways and kind of the, most, uh, the feedback that we get the most often, whether it's people coming from a Catholic or non-Catholic background, um, is that whenever you just teach people the Bible... And you, you don't just give them, uh, because on the one hand, we also do have a lot of Protestant churches that, um, once again, not the church bash, because I'm not into that. Uh, but they do, their sermons do tend more towards just kind of self-help, motivational speaking, mm. rather than rich biblical teaching, yeah. like actually opening up a passage and helping people see this is what it means. Yeah. And this is how it's relevant to your life right Um, not being afraid to get more on the intellectual side and deal with like the issues or problems that that skeptical people might see but then also not being afraid to get really practical too Um, that's what we aim for in our teaching and 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 people just absolutely love it whether they're visiting our church because they, they just moved here they're solid christians they're looking for a church um they're drawn to that teaching because there's not a lot of it in our where you just open up the Bible and you help them to understand it. Yeah. But even people who come from a non-Christian background uh, are really, really attracted to that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they, they, they find it interesting and engaging um, because they're so used to either hearing uh, a couple of different messages. On the one hand, uh, just like you're a really bad person. Mm. You know, you're a really bad person, and you need to clean up your life. They're used to hearing that, or they're used to hearing, here's seven steps to getting your finances in order. Right, right. Um, or, or just some like kind of emotionalism in between.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so whenever you present something that is, um, that is uncompromising in truth, so you do con- uh, confront sin, you call people to repentance, but you also heavily emphasize grace, and you unpack the gospel every single week, uh, whenever you do those things, and also whenever you actually teach the Word, uh, you help them to apply it to their lives. Uh, you know, in other words, you hold all these things together as we, as we ought to do in biblical preaching. Um, people respond to it. We have, even just recently in our church, you know, we have people who are coming from, uh, they had a Catholic background. They've been out of church for a very long time. And, uh, and through, through some relationships, they, they started coming to our church. And after their first Sunday, they said, uh, the wife said to me, she goes, this is the first time I can remember being in church and not just sitting there thinking about what I need to do that week. You know, yeah, that's you awesome. know she said, she said, I didn't, I don't think I've thought about this week once during the sermon. She was wow. like, I was actually listening. And she asked her husband and he said, yeah, I think so for me too. And yeah. so, uh, so yeah, I mean, just teaching the Bible, uh, yeah. is, is really, really impactful. For people, regardless of what background they're coming from, uh, whenever we have skeptical people come and, uh, and and they hear the messages, they always uh, appreciate that that as well. Um, they appreciate that you show that you're actually trying to to help people to understand the Bible, to make sense of it, to apply it to their life, uh, and then or they're usually willing to have good discussions about it afterwards. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that will be one of the biggest things, first of all. It's just, I, I guess, is a basic, or what should be a basic of church, which is just to teach the word. Um, for, no, for us, another huge thing, too, is just relationships. So Cajun culture is very, very relational. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, it's very family-oriented, and so that can be a good thing and a bad thing, um, a great thing obviously because the family is is wonderful instituted by God uh, on the other hand it can be an obstacle sometimes because uh, there can be a little bit too much of a tie to family sometimes and so often we find ourselves competing with like you know hey can you join a group or you know if yeah. people are hesitant to join a group because they do like a family event during that time and so uh-huh. sure. helping people see like like you know, whenever you follow Christ, your priorities shift, and so mm-hmm. you need to never see them again, but but you need to start moving things around. Um, yeah. so it can be a positive and a negative, but Cajun culture is highly relational, and so setting up any kind of opportunity that you can where you can build relationships, um, is uh, is really key. Um, also, what that does is it helps people who uh who are coming from either a non-Christian background or just D church background to get to meet people who are Christians who take their faith seriously, yeah. and maybe start to correct or or change some of those assumptions they have about them. Especially for us, once again because of our heavily Catholic culture, for them to get to know me and see that I'm a normal person, that there is no separation between the priest and the lay people, mm-hmm. like they're from their background. Right. That there's no separation or a special moral spiritual superior, superiority in like me as the quote-unquote professional and then everybody else. But for them to get to know me, see me as a normal person, as someone who is just, uh, who does have a leadership role, um, but who is at the end of the day, uh, just another disciple in the congregation. Yeah, uh, And so that, that's been really big for us too. Um yeah those are the main things that come to my my mind right now. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's fantastic. Um I mean you've already given us uh, so many pieces of wisdom already but uh I guess some uh what parting advice, I guess, would you give to uh, people who are maybe in Bible college, or or even people who are out of Bible college, but they are they're thinking about doing church planting, but they're still not sure. Maybe they're a little hesitant or something, or maybe they're just getting into it and, and just need help. What sort of advice would you give? Uh, some, I guess, some parting wisdom would you give to uh, to people like that?
2: It's a very broad question, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I w- I tell people all the time to just say yes to God
0: yeah.
2: so you don't know where God is gonna take you you don't know yet exactly what your calling is but just say yes
0: mm.
2: and so that means just be open to absolutely whatever God puts in front of you for this season um, if you're in college or if you're young if you're going through any kind of preparation training time where you're uh, you're heavy in passion but but lacking in leadership opportunities just take anything that is being placed in front of you just say yes to God and so if you're thinking that one of those things might be church planting then do whatever you can to try to be a part of a church plant go and serve in whatever way they need whether it is with the kids setting up chairs cleaning passing offering plates, uh, you know, running sound. If they let you teach, doing some teaching, uh, do whatever you can. Just go and be a part of one and see how it goes. Uh, allow allow them to give you feedback, to mentor you. Uh, allow yourself to be honest with it. And if you realize that it's not for you, then that time is a really good time to go ahead and identify that before you you. Are put into a greater leadership position, um, but don't limit yourself to just being involved in church plants. Whatever, like I said, whatever opportunities God's placing before you, just say yes to them and serve. Before I became a church planner, I did all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, that that was basically my job whenever I was an intern uh, at the church that I was at, and even before I became an intern, I just said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I did uh, our church, huh?
1: I may interject here I'm like starting to go back and just remembering like just in high school you leading our like lunchtime bible studies what Mm -hmm. once a week or something I mean it felt like it felt like a small you know home church just even in high school um yeah
2: yeah yeah and so just you know even back then I felt a passion and a calling and so I pursued it Mm -hmm. Uh, and so yeah just say just say yes Just be willing to obey God and to follow him. Um, Don't, at least right now, and I mean, even as you move forward, don't ever get too attached to a vocation. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Whether it's church planning, whether it's bivocational, pastoral ministry, whatever else it is, do not get super, super tied to the vocation, but stay tied to the calling, which is for you to follow God wherever he leads you. So I remind young, well, I'm young too, younger people, people getting started. I remind them of that all the time, uh, is that it's all about being close to God and following him where he leads you to. So be willing to say yes to anything right now.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, Lacey, do you have any follow-up questions or anything like that? Man,
1: no, I mean so much, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it up there. Um, I mean, I do want you to just kind of plug yourself, plug the church, um, just any other projects you have going and just let people know how they can connect with Redeemer City, um, mm-hmm. remotely and, uh, and, in yeah. close home.
2: Yeah. So Redeemer City Church in Lafayette, Louisiana, our website is RedeemerCity.com. Uh, you can find, podcasts of all of our sermons I think we have an archive going back all the way to the early days um, on our website and then in the, for the past few months we've been also doing videos too and putting them on YouTube so if you go to YouTube you can find our sermon podcast on there as well and so if interested then they can uh, go and check out those sermons I know we have people you know, all over the place that uh, they like to follow our sermon series so they can go there to uh, check those out on, on the side of that, uh, like I said, also do writing and a few other things. And so I have a website called aaronchamp.com where uh, I semi-regularly uh, put blog posts and, or, or link to articles that I have written for other places uh, so they can find writing there. We also just recently launched our own podcast, which is called Filter, a Christian worldview podcast. Yay! And so, yeah, we, we launched that. Uh, At the beginning of March there's three episodes up right now so I don't know when this will be coming out but we have we have more coming Uh, it's as of right now at least it's short form so we shoot for about 15 to 20 minutes covering either a question or topic that people are interested in Uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback already for people who are interested in that so you can go to YouTube or any other uh, major podcasting platform and search filter uh, a Christian Worldview podcast or search Filter Aaron Champ something like that, and it should come up. And uh, people can check that out. And uh, if they like it, subscribe, review it, share it uh, to uh, help us out with that. It's been a lot of fun doing that so far. So, yeah, that's about everything I do. Uh, if anybody ever wants to get in touch with me who listens to this, that wants to talk about church planning, ministry, writing, apologetics, anything else, uh, email me at AaronChamp@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, I am always willing to correspond over email or whatever else and help people out. Um, that That's my calling. That's why I'm a pastor and a teacher and all these other things, because I love to help people uh, follow God in whatever way he's called them to. So yeah, I think that's about it.
0: Awesome. Well, fantastic. Thanks Aaron so much. This was, this was great. Um, and uh, we hope to keep in contact and we'll be praying for your yeah. church. And uh, thanks again so much for just being willing to, Come and and talk to us about your experiences and and, uh, impart your wisdom upon us. We
2: thank you so much for that. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So
1: good to talk to you. Bye.
2: Bye.